Thank you, worship team. Let's show some love for our worship team. Thank you so much for leading us. Yes, good to be with friends in the new year. Happy 2023. And as you can see behind me, we're starting a little January series called 2023 and Me. I'm glad that four of you got the pun or at least thought it was worthy enough to respond to vocally. All right, it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Welcome uh, those faces that we are used to and new faces, and it's great to be together. Big Apple Church, uh, as a ministry, we're going to start this series, and as you have probably heard of 23andMe, we're going to play off this ancestry tracking service concept, uh, but we're going to dive into our spiritual DNA uh, in Christ. So our hope is to set our eyes at the beginning of this year on Christ, our minds on his word and root our hearts once again on his will as we begin another year together. Uh, as many of you know, uh, my father uh, passed away just before Christmas, and so I just want to say thank you to the whole church for your encouragement and your prayers. Uh, it was a rough ending, and I'm just so grateful uh, to have the community of faith here uh, to help, and even as was prayed about earlier, to encourage one another through really good times, but also through challenging times. And I find myself doing a lot of soul-searching, uh, as uh, I hear is, is normal uh, when you're grieving a loved one. And so uh, part of this series is about discovery uh, in who we are spiritually and to really solidify our identities so we have confidence facing another year together. So what is 23andMe? Uh, it is like Ancestry.com and other services like it. They provide a direct consumer genetic testing and uh, you spit your, you know, in this little tube, and you send it in, and they analyze your DNA uh, through uh, the saliva sample. It goes to the lab, and uh, using nucleotide uh, genotyping, they produce like uh, your ancestry and uh, a health check and propensities for different health issues. And is it exact? No, uh, but it's really interesting. How many people have done some kind of ancestry uh, discovery on their own, either 23andMe or somewhere? Okay, so a lot of us have done this. Um, it was actually named Invention of the Year by Time Magazine in 2008. It was a pretty big deal when it came out. And I want to show you one of the commercials uh, that they ran uh, probably a couple years ago now um, to help explain it a little bit more. So uh, Gru's going to help us out here. Mm -hmm. Time to see my 23andMe genetic profile. Let's hope that this goes better than online dating. My DNA can tell me about ancestry, health, ooh, traits. Likely to have tiny ears, shifty eyes, oh, hair. Let's see what went wrong in that department. You're likely to experience hair loss before 40. Yes, but I've still got these brows. Huh, like those intolerant. Well, that explains the ice cream social incident. Huh, 84% European. That makes sense. I do look good in the speed, though. Wait, what is this? DNA relatives? Well, it's not like I've got the long-lost brother. Holy moly, I got the long-lost brother! My brother! No matter what you're looking for, you'll be amazed what you can learn about yourself on your genetic journey. Discover more about Gru and you at 23andMe.com and see Despicable Me 3 in theaters June 30th, rated PG. All right, so... If you didn't understand, you understand a little bit more. Thank you, Gru, for explaining what this is all about. And it, it can connect you with uh, relatives that you didn't know you had. 
Um, Arlene and I did this a few years ago. We sort of gifted this uh, little kit, DNA kit, to ourselves. And I think I mentioned this in the Ruth series that we did in the fall, uh, that hers was full of all kinds of fun surprises and all kinds of connections to different nations around the world. Mine was no surprise. I was just a Jew from Eastern Europe. Um, but that was okay. I mean, sometimes it's good not to have surprises. That's all right, too. Uh, but the other stuff was kind of amazing. And uh, as I, I went into it again uh, this week to prepare for this lesson, I was reminded of some of the things that were just really out of the blue and kind of wild. And I don't know if there's magic involved, but it said uh, that I was less, li less likely to be afraid of public speaking. I, if they just tell everyone that, that's not true. So I thought that was interesting. Maybe they did research and found out what I was doing for a living. And then, I don't know. Um, it says that I am less likely to consume caffeine. And those that know me know I don't drink coffee. I'm the one New Yorker that doesn't. Um, no, I know there's a few others. Uh, it says I like cilantro, which is true. I don't know how, but... And that I can match musical pitch. I do not have perfect pitch or relative pitch, but I can match it. Isn't that wild? So really, this is not a commercial for 23andMe. I'm just saying there were some interesting things that came out of this little exercise. And I think it's okay and even good to be curious about our roots, our origins, where we're from, who we're connected to. And that's really what this series is going to be all about. Uh, today we're going to ask uh, the question, who am I? Now, um, it's part of sort of the natural... I think, human proclivity to ask this question. And especially in our maybe teenage years and college years and beyond, we ask this a little bit more. We're discovering ourselves. We're trying to figure out who we are. And the danger there is that we decide who we are. And then as the years and decades go by, uh, we stay in sort of a unchanged, unmoving, uh, perhaps stubborn bubble of who we decided we were when we were young. And we don't want to get stuck, right? And we don't want to get stuck repeating maybe sins of the past as we approach a new year. And so we want to keep an open mind as we discover, yes, on the very basis and the essence of who I am in Christ, I know clearly who that is, but I'm open to being different as I grow. And so this is part of a natural question we ask, who am I? Uh, and maybe you find yourself asking that question again. Maybe the new year is an opportunity for you to go, what, what am I doing here? You know, what, what's my goal? What's my purpose? What am I all about? And I know COVID has definitely put a lot of those questions on our minds as well, not to mention the fact that we just spent a lot more hours at home uh, thinking than kind of being out and doing things. And so when we have some idle time, uh, we're, we're asking some of these deeper questions. Now, I could answer this question in a lot of different ways. Who am I? Well, I'm a man, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a New Yorker, I've lived in California and Oregon and Utah and England, I love art and music, I love food, you guys all know that, um, but what 23andMe and all of these answers fail to comprehend is our spiritual DNA, our divine genetics, and how that helps us answer the question, who am I? Now for most of us in this room and online who are watching, uh, we view this church family, the family of believers and our spiritual identity as really the, the key, one of the key components in understanding how we operate in our lives, what makes us tick. And the church in that case is not just a cultural Sunday practice, it is an everyday spiritual part 
of our lives that reflects the internal conviction about who we are in Christ. I love this passage in Colossians 3.3. 3. It says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In our faith, we believe that a transformation occurs when we go from not following the teachings of Jesus and, and not being a committed believer to deciding I'm going to be a disciple who follows Jesus. I'm going to repent of my sins and be baptized. We believe in this transformation. And we say goodbye, in essence, to an old life, and we say hello to a new one. Uh, so to repent and be baptized, and a lot of us understand this from the scriptures like Romans 6, we bury our old lives and we rise to a new way of living, just like Jesus died on the cross and then rose on the third day. And so as I'm thinking about these concepts and also thinking about my life, I started going through old pictures. Anyone do the old picture? Uh, anyone particularly over the holidays find themselves looking at old pictures? All right, for the 11 of us, you can relate to this. Um, maybe it's not everybody, but every now and then you get caught in the rabbit hole of old pictures. That could be physical pictures, it could be Facebook. Uh, you know, I'm not saying in the digital world, so if I said, were you on the gram a lot this holiday, I know more hands would go up, that's fine. But I found this old picture of myself when I was about seven years old. I didn't expect that reaction, but that's fine, I'll take it. Um, what I saw when I saw this seven-year-old version of me is a very shifty little seven-year-old. Now, my mom is here, and I think she would tell you that I was generally a pretty good kid around this age. We were living in England. Um, I, I had a little uh, collar pop, you know, as was uh, done in the 80s, I guess. I had my little Oxford sweater on, uh, repping where my dad was going to school. And yet, you can see I'm not looking at the camera, right? And I know, you don't know this because you didn't know me, but I was plotting at that moment because I have a little brother, and I loved doing things to my little brother. All in good fun, nothing permanent, I hope, but you know, just, and, and these were moments where I wasn't necessarily aware of what was going on, but thinking, what am I going to do to, I mean, with him next? <laughs> of course, we're very close and best friends to this day, but I look at this, and I, and I fast forward uh, 10 years to when I'm 17, and what a different person I was. All that plotting turned into some real-life trouble, and by 17, very rebellious, very lost, and I'm sure my mom can attest to that too. Please don't ask her. Um, so then at 21, I go through this uh, very, super intense crisis and all kinds of stuff happened in my life and a spiritual transformation begins to take place. It makes me think about this word hidden. I don't know if it, it crept out to you or stood out to you in some way when you read it for the first time in Colossians 3.3, but what does it mean for a life to be hidden in Christ? That seems like a strange word. I thought we we're supposed to be, you know, unhidden and revealed and disclosed to the world. This is who I am. And it doesn't really mean that, like we're hiding anything. And I had to do a little research and uh, read the Greek on it. It's from this word uh, that we have, crypto. Does that sound like anything? <laughs> <laughs> so crypto in the Greek means uh, concealed or properly covered, uh, hidden, away with. I know some of us are wondering where our cryptocurrency is hiding right now. Where did it go? I don't know where it is. <clears throat> Um, but the point here is that God is hiding us in, in a way that protects us from the world, that we're under his wing, that, that he seeks to make sure that we have refuge in him. It's that kind of hiding. It's when the boogie monster is going to come into your room and you hide under the bed. God, God's the bed in that situation here, right? Um, God is 
able and willing and full of love to cover us, to hide us away from the harm that the world wants to impose. The Christians in Colossae were scared for their lives at this time. So when Paul writes a letter to the church, he's helping them remember you're hidden in Christ. And so he's going to do his best to protect you on this earth while you're here. But really, he was trying to help them understand the eternal plan that God had for their lives, that the world can't see or touch the true self, the true divine DNA in you, which will go on past the pain of this life and past this life itself and into eternity. It's kind of like, I think about it this way, uh, eternity is when you're sort of, you know, you're not just hidden, you're completely in a different realm. But on this earth, I think of Harry Potter's invisibility cloak, right? And so anytime he was like nervous about being seen or he wanted to investigate something, he put on the cloak and he would sort of investigate and do his things, even though the footstep thing was a problem for him. But you know, that's a whole nother thing. And I don't want to get into it with the Harry Potter fans. But there are times when God, in that similar way, protects us without explanation, protects us from things that we don't even know. How many times have you crossed the street in New York and didn't realize that you almost got hit? You just did what New Yorkers do, you know? God is, I mean, to even get here today, some of you put your life in your own hands, right? So we, we are able to understand some ways that God protects us and other ways we don't understand how our lives are hidden in Christ so that we can continue our earthly mission. Uh, Professor Moo's commentary of, of Colossians says this, says, uh, your life is now hidden. The believer's union with Christ in death, burial, and resurrection provides the Colossians with the spiritual security that they were craving, including especially forgiveness and protection from evil spiritual powers. So I have two brief points to help us lock in to this concept of who we are in Christ as we prepare for 2023 and me. The first point is rooted in Christ rooted in Christ. Talk a little bit about this idea of spiritual genetics and divine DNA. So um, in 1 Timothy 6, 13, it says God, I'm just picking a little portion of the scripture out, but it says God who gives life to everything. If you believe in God and you believe that all life in a sense is what we would call God breathed, that the creation is divinely originated, that whether you think it was seven days or seven million years, the genesis of life had a starting point. And therefore, we all trace life back to that starting point and that creator. In this way, we're rooted in the divine. Whether we're aware of it, vocalize it, whether other people outside this room are aware of it or vocalize it, if that's true, then all life comes from that creator, that divine source who we would call God. This is a common denominator in the ancestry of humanity. It's interesting, Colossians 3, 4, which is right below it on the screen, we, we see it says Christ who is your life. And so if we accelerate that thought forward, we're not just from God. God didn't just make us all. But now as we have free will, we decide how we're going to live the life that he gave us. You guys still with me? So we see like this all over the New Testament. This is the conflation of these words life and Christ. Life and Christ. Life in Christ. Life because of Christ. Christ who is our life. And so we start to think about our daily lives and all the things we do. You know, I brush my teeth and I, I, I put on my clothes and I go to work and we need to start to remember the meta. You know, what's the bigger picture here? What does it mean for Christ to be my life? Who am I in Christ? If I think about that concept, how does that change my behavior 
in everything that I do. If I have Christ who is my life on the subway, how does that change my behavior on the subway? Maybe it doesn't at all. You guys are saintly subway riders. But if that thought is constantly on your mind, how does that change the way you behave? How does that change your words? When you're in an argument with your spouse or roommate or mom or dad or brother or sister, if you have the thought pervading in your mind, Christ who is my life right now, how does that change your conversation? Now, a lot of us, we get in these big arguments because we're not thinking about Christ being our life, right? And then it escalates because it's all about us living our life, not Christ being behind the wheel. You know, again, consider the context of Colossians as you read this passage. Roman police were killing Christians all over the empire. So the idea that Christ is the motivation and the battery that fuels the energy for our life helped give them the courage to be able to even walk outside. We have it easy compared to them, right? And we have it easy compared to a lot of people around the world. We gotta be grateful for that. That's a way that Christ is hiding our lives from the harm of the world. It doesn't mean that we're impervious to the pain. We're gonna go through pain but it helps us to be able to move on. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So part of our lives being hidden in Christ means that we also have this reservation in heaven. You know, we have a new restaurant in our, in our neighborhood and it's like impossible to get a reservation there. Have you ever tried to get a reservation at a restaurant and just got denied multiple times? All right, no one in this room. That's okay, that's... You guys have secrets I know nothing about, and I would like to know how to get a reservation. I think God's just protecting my wallet. I'm not supposed to go, uh, and so I'm being blocked. So hard to get a reservation, right? In some ways, it's hard to get a reservation at a New York City restaurant than heaven itself. Seems crazy how accessible it is for anyone who believes and follows Jesus can have the reservation waiting for them. It doesn't make sense, but there it is. It goes with the territory being hidden in this way, being rooted in Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy reminding him, because Timothy was going through some challenges in his life and ministry, so it's good for him to be reminded that this life in Christ is different than life in the world. It is unique and distinguished from a typical human life. And it comes with all these promises of the gospel. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, here says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So because we're connected to our divine DNA, our lives in the world only serve the eternal trajectory. It doesn't mean that our lives here mean absolutely nothing. No, they mean so much in so far as they are under the guise of our spiritual thinking. In Galatians 2.20 here as well, it says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, as Micah prayed about, a lot of us have been suffering and grieving and going through challenges. Um, the body is fragile. We, we've been praying for people uh, going into surgery, uh, bones broken, conditions, some fatal, some folks that are older, some that are younger. And we beg God to do what he can to protect these fragile bodies, but our bodies are very fragile. 
You know, the media wants to convince us that we're going to be young forever, that we're going to be the way we looked at 18 forever, right? And there's all kinds of stuff you can do and pay for it to try to make that happen, right? So doing their best to try to elongate the fragility of life. But isn't it inevitable that we will break down? I'm not trying to be morbid here, okay? But that's going to happen. Anyone have teeth problems lately? You don't have to admit it. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just saying. Some of the worst pain, right? It's like shoots right into your brain, right? Like, why are my teeth falling out? I'm only 30 years old. You know, like stuff happens. The body starts to break. Ecclesiastes talks about this, right? <laughs> the teeth start to fall out. That's what the Kohelet is saying. The body is fragile. Isn't it amazing that we have something that we can actually bank on? The eternal in the world is seen as ephemeral, is seen as spirit, is seen as, as nothing, as smoke. Those of us who, who have been awakened, who have been spiritually woke, understand that this is actually the stuff you can trust. Love, you can't measure it in the way that you can quantify in a test tube, but we all understand that that's something you can trust if you have that. So spirituality, Christ, and I know I'm getting into the ontological element of this. Thank you, Alfredo, for introducing us to that $20 word. But guys, this is what it's all about. Why do you come to church? Because this is the most handsome, fun, comical group you've ever been a part of, that it's free drinks. And no, come on. We're not that fun. I think we're fun, but we're not that fun. We are handsome, but not that handsome. We're smart, but not that smart. Why? Because of something bigger. This is it. If that's all you hear today and walk out with reminded that we're here because of God and not because of the, the human connection, even though those are great bonuses, then that would be a victory starting 2023. That's being rooted in Christ. What does it mean to rally in Christ? Rally in Christ. And this I've been thinking about as well because it's been a challenging year, two years, three years. And I know you're going to hear that a lot. You have heard that a lot. And maybe it's getting old, but it's true. And one thing that I'm very proud of the church about is how we've rallied around each other during very challenging times. When things got really bad in what they were calling the epicenter of COVID, and it was bad. If you weren't here, you will hear stories if you ask. But there's something in the spirit, not just of a New Yorker, but I think of New York Christians and whether you're here in 9-11 or here during some of the challenges of the church or here through COVID, there's something about the disciple spirit here in the city that rallies in the middle of crisis. That when we need something, when some family is in dire need of something, people get up, they get out of their comfort zones, they make the phone calls, they send the food, they get to the hospital, they pray on their knees, and I think that's what this church is all about. I'm proud of you guys for rallying around each other during some very challenging times. So maybe I don't need to preach this, this point as much because I feel like the, the spiritual integrity is high. One way you measure the spiritual integrity of a person or a group is not just in the good times. Oh, they have such good character and wow, everything's great. No, it's when the stuff hits the fan. And you go, oh, that's what they're made of. That's what they're rooted in. That's how they rally in Christ. That's how they show their spiritual integrity. Let me read you a couple scriptures, and then I'm going to land this plane. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life 
because of righteousness. That's a powerful verse. Even though your body is subject to death, that we're headed in a particular direction, there's this counterbalance that comes from the divine, part of our divine DNA that helps us overcome and live a righteous life. In John chapter 10, in verse 17, it says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. This is Jesus uh, talking, sort of disclosing the plans and where he's headed, that he's headed to the cross, but he's going to lay down his life and he's going to take it up again. Why? Because he realizes that his life with Christ well, he is Christ, but life with God, the connection that he has with the Father is so much bigger than his life here on earth. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. One of the questions I ask myself is how do I want to be remembered? You know, what, what's going to be the thing people say about me when I'm gone? I started thinking about that uh, when we did the Scrooge play last month, was, which is just phenomenal. Thank you again to all the actors, the producers, the choreographers, the directors. I mean, what a triumph that was. It was a packed house here. Uh, and thank you, Manny, for editing all the play together so you can see it in one straight uh, time. So go on YouTube and watch that. It's incredible. But how will I be remembered? Scrooge was battling that, right? The ghost of Christmas future put him in a position like, man, what is my life about now? All you got is now. So protect it and make decisions that go together with what you believe about who you are. You know, something struck me uh, this last couple weeks in the news um, some of you who are uh, sports fans or NFL fans or Buffalo Bills fans uh, heard about uh, one of the players, the safety, uh, DeMar Hamlin, who got uh, seriously injured, had a heart attack basically on the field. And um, it stopped the game. There's been a ton of press about it. And a lot of people praying, a lot of people talking about prayer, uh, the Bills organization saying things like, we're praying for you. And I know some of you have seen this, this clip, but uh, this one sportscaster uh, Dan Orlovsky, I, I assume he's Polish, so I love him already. Um, but um, I want to show you uh, something that he did on uh, one of the um, NFL Live ESPN episodes. Football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like... This is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. Damar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace, if we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. 
We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. Okay, first of all, that's just awesome. <laughs> what in the world just happened? You don't ever see that. All right. And by the way, Demar is doing better. He's talking. He came out of, you know, whatever. I, I don't know if they call it a coma, but he was off the respirator. And the first thing he said, I think, was who won the game. You know, he <laughs> has a sense of humor. Listen, I don't know a lot about this sportscaster, but I know one thing. And I know probably the most important thing I need to know about him. He believes in prayer. What do people know about you? Are you willing to put it all on the line? I mean, he just did it. You could see him wrestling, right? He, at the beginning, he sort of, now I knew what happened in the clip. Some of you guys just seen that for the first time. But he's sort of talking himself through it, right? Like, so, yeah, you know, they've been thinking about prayer and talking about prayer and you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to do something a little different right now. I'm going to bow my head. He's like, getting the courage. I'm going to bow my head. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to do what everyone's been talking about, and here we go. And he just, I don't know if the other two knew about it, but they closed their eyes and bowed their heads too. And at the end, they said, amen. Because even though standing up for who you are doesn't always garner support, it's right, and sometimes it does. So who are you as you start 2023? Is Christ so much your life, rooted in Christ, and being willing to rally for others in Christ, that you're willing to step out and have people know your hidden life? That's where the two scriptures go together. It's that sacred, protected life that you do reveal at times. Jesus said at the beginning, I don't want anyone to know. But there were times when everyone did. And eventually, everybody did. And that leads us to the communion. That Jesus was someone who was rooted in his connection to his Father in heaven. And that was how he lived his daily life. We're not always going to hit the mark, but we've got to aim for something. And Jesus is. And he was also willing to rally around his friends, his friend's family. He did all kinds of things for even people he didn't know. He was a great example of someone that lived his life out loud like Dan, the Polish man. <laughs> I love this illustration for this concept of who I am and who we're going to be in 2023. Let's think about that as we pray for the communion at this time. Father in heaven, we're grateful to be able to have breath in our lungs right now, to be able to breathe, to remember we have life, to remember that we came from something so special, something so sacred, that you love each of us, and that's why you have invested in us to have the life that we have right now. We ask that you will give us the courage to be rooted in Christ and to rally in Christ when the situation calls for it. Help us to have that discretion and discernment <clears throat> on when we need to reveal the hidden, sacred parts of the life you've given us in Christ. Father, I ask that you show us miracles in 2023, the likes of which we have not seen before. Show us your will. Show us your way. 
Show us things that only you know are in store. And Father, when the times come that challenge us to the core, help us reveal once again our integrity because we know who we are in you. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for us, who was willing not just to stand up, but to give it all up so that we could have this moment right now. Remind us through the cup and the bread of that great sacrifice and the victory of resurrection. We love you. We pray for 2023. In Jesus' name, amen.